0: Thanks to Mint Mobile for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Every Mint Mobile plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. To get your new wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month and get the phone shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/applebits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. You heard that? We're just grooving to the beat, everybody. Let's flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. A lot of stuff came out. Apple surprised us with a new iMac. We'll talk about that. Also, a lot of competitors came to the table big this week. Samsung, Google, So there's a lot to talk about that as well. This is episode 132, and welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, this is everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Kind of our weekly recap where we talk about Apple. We talk about the tech world at large. So thank you so much for joining us. If you want to be a part of the show, it always adds to the flavor. Call in. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone, on your laptop, on your computer, whatever it is, record a voice memo, email it away to applebitsshow at gmail.com, P-P-L-E-B-I-T-Z-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. That's how you'd be a part of this. Your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about it, get to it and we will put in the show. We got two calls. One of them, um, really interesting context of just Apple and the world. So look forward to that. Also, this show is 100% supported by you. Patreon.com, that is how to do it. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. It starts at $2 per month. is a cup of coffee, $10, $25, $100. Look, I know things are still crazy. Times are even crazier, but your support has allowed me to do this and continue to do this. Keep on putting out the podcast and more content. So I'm so grateful and appreciate all the amazing support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. You get early access to content. You get exclusives at different levels. And the biggest thing, a completely ad-free version of the show. No ads. You hear none of this, you hear none of the ads. It's kind of sweet. So check it out patreon.com slash Tong. all right let's jump into the show and this week we did not expect really what was apple going to do anything well they sure surprised us they dropped a new 27 inch imac on our head out of nowhere um but so let's kind of like dig into this because i think there's good things about it i think there's bad things about it and then i'll kind of throw out my final verdict if you haven't seen my video already then this will be good for you but the new 27 inch imac Right out of the gates, no new design. So this is exactly the same design that we have seen since 2012. Now, I'm not a stickler on design because I do think the machine, look, I've had my machine since the 2012 model because I thought, oh, this is an amazing looking machine. It still looks great. But that's eight years. And eight years in the tech world is an eternity to literally keep the same exact form factor. We haven't even been able to get smaller bezels, the same freaking form factor. So that is disappointing. Now, the iMac is still arguably the best all-in-one machine. We do have the amazing Surface Studio, but that is kind of geared towards a particular skill set, being able to use the pen directly on the screen like a canvas, which is amazing, which I wish Apple did something like that. I think a lot of graphic designers and artists, wish they did too. Uh, But... The design stays the same. Clearly, they're waiting to release the new iMac with a new design with a new ARM chip Apple Silicon because by the time they look at this, they know the numbers. They know iMacs aren't selling like hotcakes. They're just kind of waiting it out. We've seen Tim Cook do this, just wait it out. They know slow and steady and when it's time to drop that new iMac, which I would guess would have to be, and I don't know this for sure, it would have to be the first half of 2021 they, the other improvements that you'll, we'll talk about in a moment, they just aren't enough. So fine. We're waiting for a new design, new ARM chips, Apple Silicon coming soon. Now, the good things about this true tone display, believe it or not, the iMac has not had the true tone display until 2020. So this is the display you see on iPhones, on iPads, on MacBooks, across their line, every product line, except the iMac has it where it kind of changes the color temperature, whether it's nighttime or daytime. So that's, that's good. I like that. The other kind of curious thing here, very cool for designers, nano texture coating for $500 as an upgrade. Now this is the nano texture coating that's on the pro display XDR, which gives it kind of that matte non-reflective surface and surface. And I will tell you, if you're someone who's looking at your screen for hours on hours on hours and really, you know. Squinting your eyes to so pay attention to the details, finite things that you have. The ability to have a display that gets no reflections is great. Now, there's a trade-off because the nano texture display. It typically the the blacks aren't as deep as they can be. It's just a slightly, and also because of the texture, it is slightly, slightly, a little softer, but not enough where I think if you're someone who's looking at your machine for a long time the texture display is worth it. So I really love the idea that you're taking high-end features from high-end products and showing us that you're willing to bring them down to your consumer entry level as an option, right? No one's, no one's gonna pay $500 more than they have to, but there is a segment of people that we're definitely would take this option. I just love that we have that ability. Also, it's about damn time, a 1080p... FaceTime camera on the iMac. Now there's other devices that already have even higher resolution cameras, but 1080p FaceTime camera finally comes to the iMac. It's kind of pathetic, but hey, it's here. Also the T2 chip for security encryption. You've got improved speakers and improved mic system. What I love about this is Apple is slowly, these are subtle things that make all the difference. The MacBook Pro 16 was the first time I experienced Apple's new improved speaker system and their new mic system where you can record... Pretty darn clean audio if you're in a quiet space that is more than passable to be a voiceover for, you know, a video you do really getting to the point where, look, not everyone is going to be able to buy a huge production setup. If I was in junior high or high school and I wanted to make videos and I could actually make them sound great and more than good enough with what's just right in front of me. I'd love that. So from a production standpoint for entrepreneurs or people that are starting to get into content, no matter what age you are, I shouldn't say, I'm just thinking of myself back in the day, like we could never do that on a computer to sound good enough. I love the improved speakers, love the mic system. Apple's done great stuff with audio and just kind of, I've been talking about it. Apple is a significant player in audio now. They, they aren't ignoring that. They are really beefing up that side of their product line and just their skill set. Now, performance-wise, this gets the 10th gen Intel processors, 65% faster CPU performance, at least up to. It won't be all the time, depending on the app you're using. Also, Turbo Boost 5 gigahertz with that processor. The previous iMac used the 9th gen Intel chips. You get 128 gigs of RAM max capacity. That bumps it up from the previous max of 64 gigs last year. The RAM is still user-installable, very nice. Also, the new 27-inch iMac brings solid-state hard drives. Solid-state hard drives. No longer 5,400 RPM old-school disks. We're talking about solid-state. Now, here's the cool thing. Um, You have different options at 256, 512, 1 terabyte, and 2 terabytes. According to a recent report that just dropped as of this recording, the new 27-inch iMac's storage is affixed to the logic board, But if you go large at the four terabyte and eight terabyte configurations, it has an expansion connector. Now, no one has used this yet to add expansion internally, but it has an expansion connector for those drives. It does not offer them on the 256, on the 512, on the one terabyte or the two terabyte configurations. That expansion connector is not present only on the four terabyte and eight terabyte drive. So that just dropped just a little while ago. Now, the other thing about this, if we wanna talk about its performance, AMD Pro 5000 series graphics, 55% better graphics performance, but let's have some fun here, okay? The entry-level iMac 27-inch, the new one for 2020, it starts at $1799, that's $1,799, but if we wanna just max it out, I always like doing this, max out a 27-inch, let's throw in the nanotexture glass, so that's a $500 upgrade. The 10 core processor, 128 gigs of RAM, Radeon Pro 5700 XT card, eight terabytes of solid state storage. And then also this other option, You can it comes standard with a gigabit ethernet port. It also gives you an option, I think for $100 more for a 10 gigabit ethernet port, if you can actually take advantage of those speeds. The final total, ring it up before tax, before AppleCare, $8,799. That is for a fully beefed-up iMac. So I think that when I look at the overall picture, I do like the improvements. I'm Some of them have been such a long time coming that I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be impressed by a solid-state drive, and I'm not gonna be impressed by a 1080p FaceTime camera, but they're great upgrades. Now, if you're looking at this and you're saying, hey, I've been waiting for an iMac, should I upgrade? I think if you absolutely have to upgrade like it is your machine and it's dying or it has some fundamental problem or it's out of warranty and you just can't get something fixed, go for this new 2020 iMac. But if you're someone like me who owns a 2012 iMac, can still record podcasts, can still do web surfing, can still browse the web, uh, can still even do Photoshop, honestly, I would say maybe you, maybe you you don't really need it. Look, if you don't need it, don't buy it. So my verdict on this is it's, not a good Apple it's not a bad Apple it's a meh Apple it's it does nothing to excite me I think the upgrades are nice but it does nothing to excite me about the iMac line and I think the iMac Pro which was three years ago excited me the iMac in 2012 with the new design and the new kind of fundamental shift to the Fusion Drive that excited me nothing here excites me that's just me though and I'm not saying it's a bad product I think it's a solid product but don't don't go thinking like this is the next thing because we still don't know honestly what's going to happen with Apple Silicon and how that transition is really going to go. We will find out by the end of the year. So that's what's kind of exciting. You'll, we'll be able to see the breadcrumbs of how this is going to play out, how smooth it will be, which apps will be supported out of the gates with the laptop lines that are expected to show out with Apple Silicon by the end of 2020. That will really give us all the information we need to say, okay, I, it's it's worth waiting for this new iMac. I think just fundamentally, whatever design they use and bring for the new iMac 2021, let's call it, it's gonna be worth it. Also, some other small updates to the iMac line. The iMac 21.5 inch, that's a smaller size one, now comes standard as well with a solid state drive. 256 gigs, solid state drive, but you have the option for um, the entry-level model to either choose the 256 solid state drive or keep the Fusion drive, which is one terabyte of storage. So you obviously can put a whole lot more on that. The Fusion drive, this is that hybrid drive, which is a combination of this kind of standard old school serial ATA spinning drive, and then a flash drive on the side that kind of complements it. That is a solid state flash drive, but it's not like a solid state hard drive. It's it's a flash drive that helps kind of keep information, quick access to latest apps and things like that there. And then it complements it with the, with the serial ATA drive. So it's kind of interesting if you're someone who's doing a lot of, um, graphic stuff, maybe do that. Or I would say if this is your, if this is the iMac that you think is going to be something that you want to keep for a while, even though we're in this weird transitional time, you, I might push you towards just, not only getting the solid state drive, but if you need that extra storage, just get an external drive so that you can then connect that to your next computer, whatever that is. Just a thought. Also, the iMac Pro gets an, I guess you could call it an update. The 10 core, 3 gigahertz Xeon W chip used to be an upgrade option. That is now the standard option processor that it starts at, and the price will still be $4,999. So you look at the iMac Pro, which is supposed to be a machine for pros. There's been no meaningful upgrades for almost three years for that machine. So clearly they're sitting on whatever this, this next iMac is. Maybe the iMac Pro ends up being the ARM chip machine and maybe they end up keeping Intel processors on their consumer level. We, we just don't know. So that's why there's a lot of kind of wait and see. Sticking with the Mac, we got Mac OS, Big sir, the public beta is out now. And I'm going to tell you right now, I absolutely love it. I've been running on a MacBook Pro 13 inch. Um, I love, it's one of those things where we've been using macOS so much that you're used to it. It's great. It's clean. This is even cleaner. This is fresher. It feels modern. It's snappy. It's just the beta that we've been using or that I've been using. Um I would recommend, don't put it on your primary machine. You can... Um, partition your hard drive to put it on a partition or if you have um, I guess a a secondary computer that may not be your top dog computer then put it on that do not put it on your primary machine please and then complain when stuff goes wrong I hate that but I will say that mac os big Sur, it just feels really nice I will still kill them for how like 1990 ish some of those app icons are and They've got to fix that. They've got to know that. That just like, that just looks trashy. It looks like this weird generational mix of 95 icons or like, I guess icons from the very first iOS's mixed into this really flat, clean operating system. So, I mean, if that's the biggest thing that I'm gonna complain about, then macOS Big Sur is absolutely, absolutely hot. I love it. Every time I, I don't use it, every day, but every time I pick up that laptop and check it out, I'm just like, ooh, this is smooth. Remember those uh, Apple wheels? Man, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I'm not gonna look it up, but I think they were like $7.99 or something like that, like $7.99 for four wheels for a Mac Pro. Good Lord. Well, OWC, Otherworld Computing, you might recognize that name, announced an upcoming product launch called the Rover Pro Wheels Kit. So what makes these unique, They're for the Mac Pro, and then you don't have to unscrew the actual standard Mac Pro feet that come with it. It's kind of like an attachment that slides and locks over the feet and then adds wheels to your Mac Pro. It's $199 right now. They're available for pre-order. After that, it'll eventually rise to $249, but these look like significant wheels. I was not able to see Oh, okay, they do have them. They have wheel stops, right? Those clips that, pre- that prevent the Mac Pro from rolling away because the current Mac Pro wheels from Apple have no lock on them. So this is an improvement at every single level. Super clever, and 199 now it's a small segment and audience is gonna buy these, but you gotta love it. I think they're really slick. All right, big thanks again to our sponsor for this week's episode, Mint Mobile. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what you're actually paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and then hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know that you're going to still pay. So enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is done online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead. Then they pass those savings on directly to you. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. And with Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. You can choose between plans with 3, 8, 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. It's time to ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. Now, I got set up with Mint Mobile and it was just really easy. I jumped on their website, entered in a code to activate my account and then just popped in my SIM card and I was good to go. I was really surprised just how quick and easy the process went and it made me realize that you don't have to deal with customer service, at least not this way. It's really easy. So. Up to this point, I've had no issue with my coverage. I've popped that SIM card into a secondary phone, and now I have a plan for my second phone that I can use reliably to do reviews. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the phone shipped to you, to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash AppleBits. That's mintmobile.com slash AppleBits. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash AppleBits. All right, let's talk about what else happened around Apple and how it might affect them. This week, we saw a huge announcement from Samsung. Samsung Unpacked, they just unleashed a boatload of new products, including a preview of the Galaxy Z Fold 2. That is their folding phone that, honestly, second generation looks freaking amazing. The Note 20 and Note 20 Ultra, their big phone with the stylus in it, And that has always been the most feature-packed freak of nature phone on the market, maybe until we see the uh, Z Fold 2 come out. But what they really showed off that was really compelling to me is they clearly these companies are all watching each other. And they took some cues from Apple with things like syncing to each other. So in the past, you put in notes. Well, now their notes sync on different devices. They also had this really crazy... um, Just kind of ecosystem play with Microsoft if people are using Windows machines with their Note phones where it syncs apps across each other. It syncs progress again with Notes. You can run actual Android mobile apps on Windows from your Samsung phone, the full on apps, multiple apps if you want. But the biggest thing, I think that's more of a game changer and at least something that people on Apple are going to be like, hmm, I wish we could do that. Samsung has really built this deep relationship with Microsoft, and one of the advantages now is that they're gonna be able to support Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and this allows something like the Note and future Samsung products to play and access that library of roughly, I think right now around 100 or so, AAA-level titles on their phone, pair it with a controller, and use those big screens. We're talking about Gears of War, Forza, um, what other like Minecraft games like that, and so many more directly on your mobile device. So everyone was saying, okay, well, may, can't Apple do the same thing? Can't Apple stream games? And yes, technically Apple could. This is using Microsoft's Project X Cloud streaming game service that pretty much is pairing with the Xbox Game Pass. Now, if you recall, Microsoft themselves were working on trying to kind of develop something similar on Apple's platform, but here's what Apple says, right? Right now, you can't do this. And really, is it just Apple being Apple? This is what an Apple spokesperson said to Business Insider. This is their quote. The App Store was created to be a safe and trusted place for customers to discover and download apps, and it's a great business opportunity for all developers. Before they go on our store, all apps are reviewed against the same set of guidelines that are intended to protect customers and provide a fair and level playing field to developers. Our customers enjoy great apps, games for millions of developers, and game services can absolutely launch on the App Store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. In addition to the App Store, developers can choose to reach all iPhone and iPad users over the web through Safari and other browsers on the App Store. Okay, fine. So their argument is basically that because they can't vet all these games, that would be available on Xbox Game Pass like Gears of War, like Forza, like Minecraft that they can't approve them to be like they can't approve the Game Pass service to be on iOS. And I think that's actually kind of garbage. So this is what Microsoft said in response. It is in our it's our ambition to scale cloud gaming through Xbox Game Pass available on all devices, but we have nothing further to share at this time regarding iOS. So We know that Apple is very tricky, and these are rules. This is just the way that the game is played. Apple has their walled garden. But this is also what I'm curious about. Okay, so let's, is this a slippery slope? Am I pulling this too far? But let's say, okay, what about Apple TV, right? Apple TV puts up content, movies, shows that they approve. Apple TV has competitors like Netflix on their platform. They let HBO Max, all those apps. Is Apple approving all of those movies and TV shows? I know it's not the same thing, but it is kind of is because if they're saying, hey, we can't approve the content of the game. Well, are they, does that mean they've vetted and approved all the content on those platforms? Cause they haven't, they don't. They've just given them the access to it. Now, I think that I'd love to hear your comments. Maybe my thinking and my argument is totally stupid, but Apple is not vetting every single movie and TV show that is on these other services that is now playable through their platform. But when it comes to games and fine, they can qualify them as apps versus media content, but when it comes to games they they're not because they're not approving it, they're all of a sudden going to say no, we can't allow this. Look, the future of gaming and Sure, we aren't aren't there yet, but as 5G matures and gets better, we're going to be able to game on our devices. We already are remotely over a mobile connection. And for Apple to just say, eh, it's not going to happen here, I think it's a little short-sighted because Apple Arcade is cool, but it's not the same level of game that you have from freaking Xbox. It's not... Microsoft also said in another statement that our testing period for the Project xCloud Preview app for iOS has expired. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with Xbox Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass. Remember, they don't allow Google Stadia on their platform as well. NVIDIA also has GeForce Now on their platform as well. So look, I've been thinking about it. I don't like it, but yeah, that's a bad Apple. Boo! I think it's trash. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone out there that's listening can rationalize this for me, but I don't think there is any rational. I think it's Apple being Apple, and we've seen a lot of moments now where they have been opening up, right? They, they're now letting music services third-party music services play nice on their HomePod product, because they need to. They're played nice with video content streaming services, but all of a sudden it comes down to games, and they just won't do it. It's really interesting. So I'd love to hear what you all think about this and maybe which side you're on. We need to jump back over to Samsung real quick because they also released a Galaxy Watch 3, a competitor to the Apple Watch. The thing is now... Look, if you're on an iPhone, you get Apple Watch. If you're on Samsung, you get Galaxy Watch. Now, Galaxy Watch 3, it's slimmer. It's sleek. It still has that rotating bezel, which I love. I think the interface is super cool. It doesn't have the same level of apps. But if you're on a Samsung product, get the Watch 3. If you're on Apple, you get the Apple Watch. It it makes sense, right? Galaxy Buds Live, they now have these new earbuds that include noise canceling. The Buds Plus do not. But the Galaxy Buds Live are these we call them the beans. They look like kidney beans, but you put them in your ear. Uh, I just They just arrived for me to check out. They have noise canceling. The interesting, interesting thing is I don't think their noise canceling is, it's not going to be like elite level noise canceling. And I would argue Apple AirPods Pro are not elite level noise canceling anymore after they kind of changed the algorithm with it. Um, and they still never changed it back. It's never been the same. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how these two stack up with each other. So, Samsung showed out, put out a lot of stuff and we will find out more details about the Galaxy Z Fold 2 to me the most compelling product coming out in 2020 at least from the phone standpoint. Google Pixel 4a. This is their consumer mid-range phone that they put out. It's 349. Instantly, I think, okay, iPhone SE 399. If you're this this becomes an ecosystem play, but when I look at both of these phones, I'm saying to myself, okay, fine. It's always nice to have the big shiny things. We can't all afford that. People that have families can't afford everyone in their family's not getting uh, an iPhone 11 Pro most most of the time. But this really makes me, when I see this specific Pixel 4a phone, it makes brings up the question, do we even really need a $1,000 phone? Now need versus want is how you define it. But I'm going to talk about kind of the stats of this Pixel 4A phone. You tell me, wow! For 349, Pixel 4A features a 5.81-inch OLED panel, larger than the iPhone's SE's 4.7-inch LCD panel. You got a pinhole camera in it; it's that cutout. Otherwise, it's all screen. We know that the iPhone SE, the new one, is big, big forehead, big chin. So it has a way more cleaner, modern look. The iPhone SE has a Touch ID button in the bottom bezel. It is the best touch sensor for fingerprint recognition. Pixel 4a has it on the back, not as responsive, but still good enough. If we're talking about cameras, if we're talking about the actual image quality of cameras, Google's Pixel continues to just crush it. Now, if you look at some of these side-by-sides, we, here's the thing, you don't even need to look at side-by-sides. It's pretty much been a A known thing that is accepted that the Pixel phones take ridiculously amazing pictures that are sharper in color. They tend to be a little cooler in tone, but they're sharper and crisper even when the lighting is poor. Google's Pixel 4A also has their night sight mode. Apple's iPhone SE does not support it. So from a pure phone standpoint, let's forget about ecosystem. The Pixel 4A, in my opinion, is absolutely a better phone. Now the processors. You're getting the A13 chip, which is extremely, it's, it's up to speed with the current top level phone. The Pixel 4a, not so much. But again, the question is, do we really need the $1,000 phone when you're starting to see phones like this at this mid-range level from both Apple and Google just crushing it? I don't know. It, we're, we're always gonna love the top end phone, but damn this whole mid range play and especially with current times coronavirus it matters that you have phones that can do things like this at this price point also maybe a hint of the future leaked document suggests that not only is Samsung who already has a foldable phone on the market Google's working on a foldable pixel phone as well it's really interesting because the pixel phone is like they do great things but no one no no one really cares like you don't hear buzz about it other than the tech audience like a mainstream consumer doesn't talk to me about the pixel at all they just talk they literally just know samsung they really pretty much think the galaxy and the iphone are really the only two phones to get that that's how they see it also i don't know if you heard about this story tiktok tiktok's been big you know Donald Trump has been threatening to ban TikTok in the US Donald Trump just recently signed two executive orders that would officially ban any US transactions with Chinese companies that own TikTok and WeChat All right this is kind of escalating this technology cold war between the two countries and i will say because of how China operates and the ability for them with these apps because of the actual um way these apps are built in the I guess the access to data that they have, China could just pull so much data from us because of how these apps are built. And again, ByteDance and Tencent, Chinese companies, are the ones who own and develop these apps. So the executive order is made to come into effect in 45 days to ban any transactions. Now, this started kind of opening up uh, a bidding war between them because TikTok first had come under... Scrutiny by the U.S. government because, again, of the concerns that theoretically it could be compelled by Chinese law to hand over all of the collected user data. So that is concerning. And, yes, it's a super fun platform that I don't regularly visit because I got too much things to do. So now they're saying, okay, well, someone in the U.S. needs to buy these platforms to take over. Microsoft has been in talks publicly to purchase TikTok. Then there was a story that Apple was in negotiations or threw their name of the hat to bid on TikTok. The thing about this is it got a lot of coverage, and it turns out that that report is completely inaccurate. And the joke was that, oh, apples, apples bidding up Microsoft to be like, hey, hey, uh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll pay, we'll pay five billion, we'll pay ten billion dollars for for this. And then they just at the last moment step out and the Microsoft's like, yeah, yeah, we'll pay 10 billion too. We'll take TikTok. The other thing is fundamentally, Apple is not built to handle any type of, any type of content moderation. That is not in their DNA. That is not who they are. They will screw that up royally. It's just not them. Just list anything social network related, this is not what Apple does. They don't have the teams or the manpower or the knowledge to do any of this. They would need to really not only hire an entire new division to handle this and have two years of just experience figuring this stuff out, Microsoft at least understands that stuff. Anyways, the only reason I'm telling you about this is because Apple is not gonna buy TikTok. It was, this is the this is like a source told us that Apple's bidding on TikTok. Never happened. And finally, the product that I'm the most excited about I would say this is a top three product I'm excited about for this year: Sony's WH1000XM4s, or the M4s, or known as the best noise canceling headphones. They've had the M3s. They just released the announced the M4s. Sony was nice enough to send me a pair for review, and I can tell you right now, before my review drops, these are the best noise canceling headphones that I have ever used, and I'm. It's going to be really hard to find anyone that can top this. From a comfort, technological standpoint, feature standpoint, noise canceling standpoint. Comfort, they improve the comfort too, which is my biggest gripe about the M3s. These are the cat's meow. And then I think about, okay, what about AirPod Studio or whatever Apple's over-the-ear headphones are? The way that Apple beats these headphones is quite simply because they're just part of the Apple ecosystem. That's it. That's literally how they can create a competitor that is at least, you know, everyone in the Apple ecosystem, they're not gonna buy M4s, but a lot of people will buy them because we don't even know about the studios yet. That's how Apple does it, just purely because it's an Apple product, which is kind of crazy, but that's where we are these days, right? A company can come out with something so amazing, get all the buzz, and Apple still outsells them by millions because they're Apple. And because their user base is like, well, you gave me ecosystem hook one, two, and three. Apple could create the exact same headphone as Sony, but the fact that it could switch between any Apple device—three, four, five Apple devices. Let's just really be realistic. Let's say three. Kind of like how AirPods Pro and the um, are going to be able to switch and hand off between devices. That feature alone, seamless handoff, would compel me to buy AirPod Studio over M3, M4s, knowing that Sony's M4s are the best headphones in the game. They have the ability to, when you take them off your neck, the music pauses and plays. There's actual proximity sensor in one of the ear cups. So it stops. They have a feature where if you talk while you're wearing the Sony M4s, it detects that and pauses the music and you can choose it whether it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds. It stops. You can have a conversation while the headphones are still on and go along your business. You can still hold your hand over one ear cup and it pause and it silences the music so you can talk and hear people. The noise canceling is even better than it's been before. The sound quality is even better. These things are freaking amazing. I don't see how anyone tops these other than them being Apple AirPod over their headphones that the entire Apple community buys. <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down to. So amazing, amazing products on. Uh, There's so much stuff that's coming. This week was a crazy week in tech and it's only going to get crazier as we get through, you know, mid to late August and we have September. And, you know, Techtober might be when we actually see Apple's products because of the delays. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's get to our phone calls here, everybody. We have two, like I said, remember, all you got to do, record a voice memo and then send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. Let's start off with my man, Josh.
1: BTZ, this is Josh from Ambler, Pennsylvania. As always, I love the show. My question today pertains to the new iMacs. Um, I have a mid-2018 that's maxed out, but I stupidly got the Fusion Drive. Um, I'm looking at the new IMAX, but my question is this. Should I really just be waiting for the full redesign that has Mac ARM chips in it, um, or should I dive into... The IMAX that they just announced, um, you know, specking it out the way I want would be about $6,000. Um, you know, when the ARM chips come out, will this one have trouble working because it has an Intel chip? Um, will it become obsolete faster? As always, thanks. I love the show. Have a great day.
0: So, Josh, I kind of answered some of this earlier, forgetting that, not that I forgot about you, but your calls in here. I think the main factors you have to think about is A, what software do you use? If you use any specific high-end apps, like they've already said they're working with Microsoft and Adobe. So that tells me that those apps may not be ready on launch, but let's let's give them the benefit down, say, okay, they'll be ready within a year. Which still means that if you don't need to get a new computer, don't get a new computer. The second thing about this is, will they keep the Apple Silicon chip only for the iMac Pro? That could be a likely option. So whatever iMac you want may not even matter. Which leads me to go back to the beginning, like if you need it, don't get it because this is a waiting game. This product out of any product is a waiting game. We're gonna find out about some of the laptops by the end of this year, but the iMac specifically, it's kind of a waiting game. And look, I haven't been compelled to get a new iMac. I mean, really now I'm all portable. So I just make my MacBook Pro the workhorse and I'm lucky enough to have an iMac from way back from 2012. But the iMac at that time was what I did all my work on. So it just depends on what your priority is. If you need to get a new machine and you want that beefy power, go for it. I will not stop you. It's not a bad product. I'm just saying it's really one of those products in limbo, that is kind of like, should I wait or not? I still until we have a clear plan of what the Apple Silicon roadmap is going to be, then then it's something that we should wait on. All right, this next call I want you to hang with it because it comes to our friend from Nima from Iran, and I think he has some really interesting insights and maybe think about listeners in the U.S. and some other countries that don't have to deal with all the stuff that uh, he has to, all right? Here we go.
1: Hello, Brian. This is Nima from Tehran, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, love the show. Keep up the good work, bro. Uh, I just want to say, due to the embargo and unusual nature of the relationships, Apple banned uh, Iran, uh, so we cannot get anything officially from Apple, any items or any service. And because of the good privacy policy and extremely safe nature of the Apple product, government also don't like that and ban Apple product as well. So it's a double ban, double embargo situation, which is make it extremely hard and expensive to acquire anything from Apple. So we most of the time pay three to four time price for anything Apple. Which brings me to the, my next point uh, with very, very expensive price tag. Uh, when you buy anything Apple because of the ban, you cannot have much of the benefits. For example, I recently acquired Apple Watch Series 5 because I just love the ECG and hard monitoring stuff. But none of them are works. Uh in Iran, map doesn't work in Iran, direction doesn't work in Iran, and etc. etc. I just want to say uh, we go through all this hope to acquire a good product because of its extremely good privacy, because we fear for our safety in this country. Most of the people who work against the government have the Apple because of its safety, but we cannot benefit from the most of it because Apple ban us. I just wish Apple could hear our voice to your channel, and understand that uh, we extremely love that you ban the government. But when you're banning the people, you prevent them from the work that they do to liberate themselves, and I wish somebody would listen to this. Thanks a lot, bro. Keep up the good work. Stay safe.
0: All right, Nima. Hey, you know what? Thank you for that. I think that it reminds us how, first of all, lucky and fortunate a lot of us are to be in situations where you know we have some of those abilities to freely enjoy certain liberties um and also not take for granted like these devices like I know that I will I will, I have to give perspective on them you know and I cannot build any of these devices but we we need to be just very thankful I always say you know we're thankful and fortunate And blessed to be able to do what we do and even just playing with these gadgets. It's kind of amazing. So I think that your perspective offers us kind of a a moment to kind of think about our situation and yours. And, you know, I I, I wanted to play that to bring that to light, to bring your situation to light. And maybe someone hears it. And I don't know, you know, Apple's not going to all of a sudden be like, unlock all these features. And part of it is like, right, even... Even look, the the ECG on the Apple Watch isn't even available in other countries purely because of their version of the FDA approving it or not. Plenty of countries don't even have it. So, um, but for you, look, the privacy matters. And the only thing that I can say from my end is thank you for your perspective, for your comments and stay diligent. And thank you for sharing that. That was really important. And I appreciate you sharing that with us all. So thank you very much, Nima. And also everyone there listening, being a part of this, supporting on Patreon, thank you so much for your support. I mean, thanks for being a part of this. I just feel like we've built a really kind of community through this show and being able to call in like that and offer that type of perspective is only if you feel like it's a show that you kind of trust. So I guess, you know, thanks for trusting me. Thanks for trusting this whole thing. I also got to say thank you so much to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple level. That is $100. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Luce, and Eric Cohen. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of you who continue to support the show. I couldn't do this without you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. Starts at $2, $5, $10, $25, $100 levels, early access, benefits, and a completely ad-free version of the show. All right, that's gonna do it, everybody. It was a jam packed week of tech from Apple, from others. We will be back next week, same place, same time, same bat channel. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care and be safe, all right? It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.